kick it off. Let's do it. Let's do it. Happy Tuesday. All right. A couple quick logistics. The first thing we have, we're going to send everyone a halfway checkpoint survey. Um, probably tomorrow, we'll do it a little bit earlier. Get your feedback on how things are going, some advice of how we can continue to improve. And it's going to ask you a couple questions that are going to give us a sense for whether or not the captain's table is going to be something you're going to want to join after the cohort. So be on the lookout for that. And when we start sending captain's table invites, you'll have had to fill out that survey. Everyone who fills out the survey as well gets an invitation to a bonus AMA with um, Q&A, Ask Me Anything with me and Cole uh, at, after the cohort. So be on the lookout for an email for that. And then after this live session, we don't have another one until Saturday, which is day 15, where we take a little bit of a break. We pause, we breathe, we say, what have we done over the last 15 days? We catch up, we recap. And so you have all this week to get caught up on your badges, caught up on the live sessions, and come to that with your questions. So uh, if you have questions that you want covered over relative to the first things we, um, we did during the first 15 days, you can leave a question, comment on that live session, and we will answer it. All right, badge leaderboard time. Like we keep saying, this is by far our best cohort. We love the energy you're all bringing. It's so fun to see the engagement, the level of excitement, the commitment, all that. We have 27% with every single badge. That's up from 12% last cohort, 12%. We doubled. Amazing job. If you're close, get caught up with your rapid fire badges. And uh, here's, the, here's the leaderboard. Well done. All right, top shippers. Here we go. Look at those badges. That's a good looking board. Get your screenshots, get them in. Congrats to everyone. Week two, midweek top shippers. If you're not here, you got extra day to get caught up on your badges for Saturday. And the Saturday, you'll unlock your day 15 badge as well. So let's keep rolling. Good stuff, everyone, on this slide, on this one as well. Good stuff. We're only halfway through. We got a bunch more badges to get. A lot of names, a lot of names. Good stuff. I love it. Don't forget the rapid fire intros. Those are, those are the sneaky badges. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Third rapid fire. We unlock a new rapid fire every single week. If you're missing one, go unlock it. You'll be on there Saturday. It's all right. It's all right. Keep your badge checklist um, going. That's an easy way to kind of see where we're at. Yeah. A couple of quick shout outs. They're amazing, amazing ones this week. Uh, one, Shrey, you, you pointed out using the 4A framework to also understand other writers. Um, so Robert Green, if you've ever read, you know, Mastery or 48 Laws of Power, um, he pointed out, yeah, he uses an analytical and anthropological approach. That's his whole writing style. Robert Green's built an entire career off of playing at that intersection. So using these frameworks is really cool, not just for your own writing, but it changes the way that you read and consume other people's work as well. Uh, we love seeing this again, unexpected outcome, not really uh, the quote unquote purpose of ship 30, but again, it's what you unlock as the result of writing and publishing on the internet. Uh, Brendan landed a freelance marketing gig. Amazing. All just from writing and publishing. Someone reads what you wrote, what you wrote and goes, Hey, I would love for you to do this for me. So that's one outcome. Um, finding your niche early on. This is this. I loved reading this uh, shout out because it was really interesting. Uh, Anthony said, you know, I have eight years of analytics uh, uh, expertise. You know, I've done this with billion dollar companies. I thought that's what everyone would want to hear about from me. And instead the data says, no, actually, we just want to know how you create and manage YouTube channels. 
And all of a sudden, by listening to the data and doubling down on that, the niche becomes very clear. So oftentimes what you start with and what you think everyone wants to hear about from you isn't what the data is actually saying. Hey, this is what readers are most, most interested in. So nice job, Anthony. And this, we love seeing shippers get together in person. Uh, we, we did a Ship30 meetup a couple of weeks ago when Dickie was in town here in LA. This one um, with uh, Eva and Lisa and Bradley in London, love to see it. So if you can, you can ever uh, meet up with shippers in, in person. We, we encourage it. We always think it's great. All right, and let's go ahead. Finally, Boris turned his writing into his first ebook and published it, made his first $10 online. That is a pivotal moment. The moment you make your first dollar, your first $10, your first $100 on the internet, your whole life changes. So congrats, Boris. It's really exciting. Yeah, that's amazing. I say all the time that the minute you make your first dollar online, you then spend the rest of your time chasing that first dollar feeling. So it, it never quite get as good as that one. So soak that one in because uh, it's a good one. All right. Where are we on the calendar? There we are. Uh, Tuesday, we're approaching that halfway checkpoint. Keep marking those X's. Who's got a perfect board? Keep filling it in. And then here we are on the badge checklist. Use this to make sure that you are on uh, all the badges before our live session if you want to make it on the top shipper leaderboard. So here's where we're at. We have, how many down are we? I think we have eight left. So go for 20 for 20. It's going to be awesome. We'll have everyone on that day 30 celebration call who goes 20 for 20. So that'll be fun. And to collect your next badge, we have a really good deep dive today uh, paired with this live session that drives a lot of these points home. But to um, claim your expert formatter badge, all you'll do is share your single sentence opener for an atomic essay. And if you don't know what that is, that's what we're going to cover part of today's session. Um, don't forget to read this deep dive because it, it is one of those you're going to come back and read it multiple times. All right. So here's what we're going to dig into today. Today is all about formatting, all right? And formatting is the way that your writing is organized visually to a reader. And this was one of the biggest insights that I had when I first started writing on the internet is that readers don't just read the words. What they're doing is they're also reading visually. They're reading organizationally. So if you notice, when you go click on an article on the internet or you pull up someone else's atomic essay or you look at a Twitter thread, the first thing that you do is you don't actually start reading it. What you do is your eyes take a snapshot of the thing in front of you and you kind of get your bearings. You decide, oh, is this going to be difficult to read or is this going to be easy to read? You know, where, where can I jump to the section that's most relevant? So if anyone, I mean, think about the last time you walked into a bookstore, you open up a book. If the entire first page is one paragraph with super small font, you're immediately going to be like, I'm not going to read this, right? Because it feels really heavy to consume that. Whereas if you open a book or if you open someone's essay or you open an article and that first sentence is just one short, quick little sentence, before you even decide whether you want to keep reading or not, you're just immediately, you've read it and you're on to the next one. So there's all these little formatting techniques that you can use that hook readers. They keep their eyes moving down the page. So that's what this session's all about. You know, the one that we did before this was about headlines. So how do you get someone's attention? Formatting is how you keep their attention. Okay, so that's great that someone clicked on your essay or that's great that someone clicked on your Twitter thread or that's great someone bought your book. 
But the question is, do they read it, right? Do you have their attention all the way down the page? So the first thing we're going to talk about, which is everyone's kind of big question around writer's block. Like, what do I do if I'm staring at a blank page and I feel super overwhelmed? And what we've created is, is this technique called prepping the page. And how every atomic essay, every article, every book chapter, everything is organized is it has these four things as a title, you have your credibility in the introduction, you have the main points, and then you have the conclusion. And so what we're going to do is walk you through this overarching structure and then get into the weeds of, okay, and here are all the little things you can do to keep readers engaged. It's worth looking at what Cole just said closely. Every piece of writing has a title, some credibility, a main points, and a conclusion, which most of the time that conclusion is optional. So that in and of itself is a is a good framework to latch onto, but let's look at how you can kind of implement that instead of that dreaded blinking cursor on a blank page. So here's, but, but before I click to this next slide, because you're going to see it, the big aha here that we want you to take away is that prolific writers do not start with a blank page every time. What they're doing is they're creating structures in their mind, and then they're coloring inside the lines. Okay. So notice the difference here. Okay. Notice how on the left you go, I'm starting with a blank page and it feels really heavy, right? You're like, whoa, I have to reinvent the wheel all over again. Okay. So for someone like me, if my entire livelihood is based on writing, every time I sit down to write and I start with a blank page, it's like, I'm starting from ground zero over and over again. On the right, this is a template that we have inside TypeShare. What templates are is they're really just different containers. They're different structures. And so your goal is to go, okay, I'm not starting with a blank page. I'm starting with a container. And once you understand what the rules of that container are, you can just fill in the blanks, right? So here's what prepping the page looks like. In order to get started, in order to create your own container, right? So you can use the, the containers in TypeShare. We have templates there for you. Or the way that we're encouraging you to think about it is that every container has the same handful of pieces, right? You start with the headline. What am I trying to say? Then in the introduction, you go, here's why you should listen to me on this topic, the credibility, right? And then you have the main points of whatever you're promising in the headline. So in the headline, if you're saying three reasons, your main points are reason one, reason two, reason three. If in the headline you say four mistakes, your main points are mistake number one, mistake number two, mistake number three, mistake number four, right? So the main points and the headline are mirroring each other. So whatever you're promising in the headline, you're, you then have to mirror that in the main points, right? And then the conclusion is, hey, and here's one more thing that I should tell you, right? So if you notice just in this uh, outline here, in this screenshot, the piece is already done. Here's three reasons writers should prep the page before they start writing. Okay, that's what the piece is about. Introduction, oh, I've written 5,000 articles on the internet. This is why you should listen to me. Reason number one, outlining saves time. Reason number two, outlining clarifies your ideas. Outl reason three, outlining makes it easy to color inside the lines. Conclusion, hey, next time you do this, you should give this a try. And you know, if you need some help, there's templates inside TypeShare. The piece is done, right? So 
this is what's so interesting about writing is that writing is really not, I spent, you know, two hours writing a bunch of words in order. Writing is really clarifying the, the container and the organization, and then you just filling it in with descriptions and little stories and right. And if you think about it that way, every time you sit down to write, you're just going to start flying through. I got to watch when I was in person with Cole, him do some writing and he does this every single time. It's writing is constructed was I think the way you were describing it. And that was so clear to me of you're not coming up with an idea and then writing word for word all the way down the page until you're finished. You are assembling, right? You're putting pieces together and you have this toolkit to draw from where it's not, Hey, blank page. And then when I'm done, it's finished. It's blank page. Okay. Outline it. Okay. Fill in one point, fill in another point, change the first point, right? You're constructing as you go. And I think understanding that writing is not a linear process of first word to last word has been a huge unlock for me. Yes. And, and the, the big thing that we want to communicate here is your biggest obstacle as a writer is not knowing what to say, right? The, the writing falls apart. And this is where everyone breaks down that this is what's called writer's block. Writer's block is when you sit there and you go, I don't know what to say. Well, if you're writing linearly, you know, first word, second word, third word, fourth word, all the way down the page, right? You're going to have that feeling the entire time. Cause it's like walking through a forest with a flashlight, trying to figure out where you're going. Right. But look at, look at this outline here. Do we all know what needs to be said in the introduction? Yeah, I just need to I just need to tell you what makes me credible. Okay, easy. Do we all know what I should what I should say in reason number one? Outlining saves you time. Yeah, let me just explain how outlining saves you time. Do we all know what I need to write in reason number two? Outlining clarifies your ideas. Yeah, I just need to explain that outlining clarifies your ideas. Right? So prepping the page removes the question of what do I write next? Because you already know, you know, I say this, and then I say this, and then I say this, and then I say this, and I'm done. And all you're doing is coloring inside the lines, right? So in theory, the hardest part of the writing is this. And if you can do this, everything else is really simple. All you're doing is just expanding the thing that you already have here. All right. So drop in the chat, who's used a type share template? If not, how come? If you have, have they been helpful every time? Yes, this guy. Good, good, good. So we're having we're we're gonna have some exciting things coming to TypeShare templates coming soon. Um, soon enough, some of your favorite writers are gonna be creating their own template packs. We're gonna have some bonus premiere template packs that are gonna be fun. If you haven't used them, one thing I saw in the chat was, and I actually kind of feel this way too sometimes. And Cole, we should think about this. When you pop open a template, if it's an outline, sometimes it helps better than a fully completed template, mm-hmm. right? There's no sentences already. I know that can throw some people off, but if you haven't used them, give them a try. We have seven subatomic templates that are even shorter than atomic essays to really, on those days where ideas just aren't flowing at all, you can go unlock those. I think it's just typeshare.co slash templates. Um, we'll show you them right away. So Get started using those. They're really helpful for me in my process. I know Cole uses them a lot and we're going to have some more coming soon. Yeah, and our just to be clear too, our goal is 
for you all to eventually create your own templates in your mind, right? I mean, every time, you know, if I wake up and Dickie sends me a Slack message saying, hey, we need this type of email uh, to send people, right? The first thing that I do is I ask myself, what template am I using, right? That, that's how you build your toolkit as a writer. So our goal, whether you're practicing with the templates inside TypeShare or whether you're learning from this live session or however you get there, our goal is for you to assemble your own toolkit so that when you sit down to write, you ask yourself, okay, which, which template am I using, right? And you've created them for yourself. So we're going to get into the, the formatting techniques here. So once you've prepped the page, right, if you can start with title, introduction, credibility, main points, and then maybe here's a concluding idea or sentence that you want to give the reader. There's multiple things you can do to continue to keep the reader's eyes moving down the page. And this is one of those, like, this is the easiest upgrade you can make to your writing, period. Like headlines are a rabbit hole. They take a lot of time to, to master and understand. And, you know, it's, you can learn it, but you know, it takes time. Formatting is you see it once and then you're done. It's the most immediate 10X. And we notice after this session, just like with headlines, how everyone, everyone's headlines goes from a little bit clever to clear. After this session, we notice everyone's organization goes from kind of all over the place to like very uh, structurally fundamental. It's like section, 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 section. So that's our goal here is we're going to give you these tools that you can immediately incorporate into your writing. And those are the single sentence openers, turning main points into subheads. So how do you use the subheads to organize your ideas? And then our famous one, three, one, uh, that's, it always seems to be the thing that people gravitate to the most. It's this huge zero to one. Like I've never thought about writing this way before ever. So very excited to dig in here. All right. So as we look at this, Cole, if you want to flip the, the big thing to keep in mind here, who has ever tried to eat one chip from a bag before? I tried like, last oh, night. Didn't work. Didn't work, right? You know, I'm just going to have one. And I think the overarching thing you want to keep in mind here is you as a writer, your goal is with your formatting to get the reader to eat one chip. All you got to do is get them started. Because if you open up with a big blocky text and a clever title, most readers are going to go back to TikTok and Netflix you're going to lose them right away. When you open up with a big chunky paragraph, you're not going to get them to eat that first ship. But if you make it easy for them to get started with a clear headline, a single sentence opener, a skimmable paragraph, right? You're going to get them to eat that one ship. And then they're going to read the next sentence and the next one and the next one. And then they're going to go all the way down the page. But the only difference is instead of leaving them on the couch, kind of full of regret, they ate the whole bag. You're going to send them on their way with, six pack abs. So that is the overarching principle to keep in mind here is we're trying to get the reader to eat one ship, knowing the value we're providing in our writing is so great. We got to do everything we can to give them a place to jump off and start reading. Yes. I love, I love this mental framework. And, and so to double down on what Dickie just explained, I want to emphasize the opposite. The opposite is that if you don't do this, the way that writers rationalize with themselves is they go, well, no, no, no. Once you eat the first 47 chips, then it gets better, right? So imagine you go to the store and you buy a big thing of Pringles, right? 
but the first half of the Pringles are spinach chips, right? They taste like dried seaweed. <laughs> You're like, I don't want to eat that. Right. And someone goes, no, 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 no. Trust me. Once you get through all the dried seaweed chips, then at the bottom, you'll have the really good salty Pringles. Right. And the, there's a huge part of you that goes, I absolutely do not want to put myself through this. Right. So it's like when your friend comes to you and goes, you should watch this show. And you go, I tried to watch the first episode. I couldn't get into it. And they go, no, 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 no. After episode four, after you've invested, you know, five and a half hours into the show, then it gets better. And you go, I don't want to do that. Right. So the one chip rule is a way of holding yourself accountable. And anytime you reread your work and you get this feeling where you're like, ah, this isn't really the good part. But if you keep reading, you'll get to the good part. Delete it. Get rid of it. Start at the good part. Right. Make the first chip the most delicious sour cream and onion chip in the bag. Right. Because once they eat the first one, then they're going to eat the second one. And then they're going to eat the third one, right? So it's not just like, how do we get them in? It's also, how do you get them in and not make them go through all the spinach chips in the first place? All right. So how do we do that? Okay. So we got six. These are six very proven, what we call hooks. And you can use these hooks over and over and over again down the page. Okay. So as a very simple way of starting, when you first begin your piece, use one of these in the first sentence. And this is how you're immediately going to hook the reader's attention. And then if you want to use them at the beginning of each section, you can, you know, you could use them twice in a section. These are mental hooks and it keeps the reader going, okay, I'm still here. I'm still here. I'm still here. And so there's six of them that you'll notice people use all the time. Strong declarative sentence. We're going to give you examples of all these. Thought-provoking question, controversial opinion, moment in time, vulnerable statement, or weird, unique insight. And again, you can use these over and over again down the page. So we're going to show you what these, what these look like. So a strong declarative sentence opener, right? Think of, it's kind of like the beginning of a speech, right? It starts with this, this declaration, Becoming successful doesn't just happen, period, right? Or the wealthiest people in the world have the simplest investment portfolios, right? Going to the gym isn't a hobby, it's a lifestyle, right? If there's, it's something like you're planting your flag in the ground and you're telling the reader, this is where we're going. And once the reader reads that first sentence, they go, okay, I understand somewhere that what you're about to explain to me is an expansion of this first declarative sentence. So whenever you sit down to write, you want that first sentence to be like, what is the big idea here? And how do I say it in five words, six words, seven words, not like a terrible first sentence is like, sometimes the reason people really want to achieve the things they want to achieve in life is because what they really desire is they want to get close to other people. And it just like goes and goes and goes. And the reader's like, I don't know what you're saying, right? Strong declarative sentence. The purpose in life is to build strong relationships. Done. Move on to the next thing, okay? When you present your very first sentence in this format, and we're going to dig into a couple where you can kind of combine, the reader should almost feel your conviction in the idea. Uh, it'll make more sense when we talk about the controversial opinion, but 
you want to avoid things like most, maybe, potentially, kind of, sometimes. Be declarative and don't hedge. Your first sentence is a chance to get your reader to either agree or disagree or understand crisply what you're about to say. And really, you're going to expand on that whole thing. I think too many people will say, I want a flowery intro, kind of ease the reader in. It's like, no, you get right to the point immediately with here's my, here's what I'm about to talk about. And then your reader keeps going. Yeah. That, that is the most important point is, is don't hedge. Don't say some people think this, other people think this, just say, this is what I believe. Because that as a reader, that's what we're attracted to, right? We're not, we're, our ears are not attracted to people who are like, I'm going to try and speak for all the perspectives, right? Our ears are attracted to, I have a strong perspective and here's why I have the strong perspective. And, and there's a reason why that type of writing works. Okay. So strong declarative sentence is a great opener. The second is opening with a question. So when you open with a question, what you're really doing is you're getting inside the reader's mind and you're going, what question is the reader asking themselves? And how do I speak to that question? Okay. So did you know the average millennial has less than $10,000 in their savings account? Interesting. All right. Um, tell me more. Tell me more. I want to learn more. Right. Or what's the difference between someone who goes pro versus someone who remains an amateur? If you've been asking yourself that question or you're interested in high performers, you're like, I don't know. What is the difference? I want to keep reading. You know, is artistic talent innate or can it be taught? I don't know. Tell me. Right. So when you open with a question, you're at the, the thing you need to ask yourself is what is the reader already asking or what would the, my ideal reader be interested in and how can I ask a question in a way that gets inside their head? Yeah. When you ask that opening question, if you want to really hook a reader, you ask them something that they're already thinking about, you know, you know, so I, I wrote a thread today on how I block the internet. And for, for doing my writing. And I o- almost opened with, have you ever thought about why you're always distracted or something like that? Something that when the reader reads, they go, damn, how it, it's like, how did he know I'm thinking of that all the time? Right. And so it's a little trick of if you can open with something that the reader's already thinking and then answer it for them, you're guaranteed to keep them reading the entire time. Mm-hmm. And if you notice, just to get a little meta with it, you notice Dickie and I do this all the time in Ship 30, right? Have you been wondering how to start writing on the internet, right? Are you asking yourself what types of Twitter threads go viral, right? We're asking questions that we know our, tar- our target and ideal reader is asking themselves. And so th- there's, it's a, there's a hint of copywriting in here where what you're really doing is you're showing the reader, I understand you, right? I understand what you're asking. And when the reader sees that you understand what they're asking, they immediately trust you, right? Because they go, oh, you get what I'm struggling with. So the question opener can be a very effective way of immediately showing the reader, hey, I get it, right? The third is the controversial opinion opener. And this is the one that the vast majority of people uh, misunderstand, okay? A controversial opinion does not mean I need to go start drama on the internet. 
It does not mean I need to go have some, you know, aggressive political take. It doesn't mean I need to say something just for the sake of a shock value. What a controversial opinion really is, is you're taking the status quo of an idea and you're just saying, I'm thinking something different, right? Or I'm moving in a different direction. Okay. So a controversial opinion can be, it's impossible to be both rich and happy, right? Notice the conviction. Hey, it's, an, it's impossible. And you can almost hear certain readers go, ah, yes, absolutely. And other readers go, you're crazy. That's stupid. Life's about balance. It's not impossible, right? But the reason it works so well is because you have two polar opposite responses. And that's what you want. You want half your readers to go, absolutely. And you want the other half of the readers to go, no, you don't get it, right? And that's a good thing right? Bad openers are, some people think it's great to be rich and some people think it's great to be happy. And sometimes that works for all types of people. And then the reader goes, I don't know what you're saying. Right. And then they're gone. So there's something about you take the status quo or you take something that people are thinking and you go, I'm going to say the opposite, or I'm going to move in a different direction. If you, the, the best way to do this as well is if you come out and say the opinion that most people have in their head, but aren't saying, right? So I silently agree. And so their response is, thank goodness someone else said it, right? Mm -hmm. I've been thinking that exact thing. If you want to look at some of the most viral pieces of writing, go look for a controversial opinion that is only controversial because someone actually said it out loud. Most people have it in their head. And I think every one of us have those controversial opinions in their head. So it's a, it's a fine line, especially when you realize what topics you can get into on that front. So be careful. But if there's something like my favorite one is Sean Peary wrote a great one on Clubhouse. It was when everyone thought Clubhouse was going to be the next big thing. But it was really because all the VCs were hyping it up. And then most people were like, this app kind of sucks in their head. And then finally someone came out and said it and it went viral because everyone agreed, silently agreed. And so when you have that controversial opinion, come out and say it. And then you're either going to get people who love it or hate it. Yeah. And so again, it doesn't have to be something supercharged. One of the, one of my favorite controversial opinion openers that I use all the time is don't start a blog, right? I'm not getting into like a political debate with anyone. I'm literally just taking conventional wisdom and I'm saying, I think that's completely wrong. And all, and then every time, every time I tweet that, or every time I write that, I get like 30 comments from people being like, no, blogging is the best and blogging will always be relevant. Right. And I know, like, I know that that's the response I'm going to get, but I also know that, that it works right? And half the people go, oh, this is really interesting. I want to read more. And the other half of the people go, I'm going to argue with you, right? So when you start to find your controversial opinions in your niche, in your category, in your industry, you start to see them as it's, it's, a, it's a technique, right? You know the response that you're going to get for good and bad. And you're, and you're okay with that. You want that, right? Yeah. One more thing. And actually I'll finish up with this. So let's keep rolling. Okay. The next is the moment in time opener. This is, this is a favorite of mine. As soon as I introduced it to Dickie, it became a favorite of his. 
Um, the moment in time is all you're doing is you're taking a date, a time, a place, you know, a moment, and you're and you're placing the reader there. And what's crazy about this technique is that it can literally be two words. Okay, so notice the difference in this first example. Da David Ogilvy wrote an internal memo to uh, the employees of his advertising agency titled "How to Write." That's what most people would think of as a first sentence. But it changes the way that you read it and you feel about it when you add in 1982. Because all of a sudden, in 1982, you feel like you're there. You feel like you're sitting in the room. And it grounds the reader, right? Same thing with the second one. At 5.46 a.m. Pacific time, September 11, 2001, America changed forever. It's very different than if someone said, you know, 20-something years ago, America changed forever right? It becomes more intimate. It becomes more personal. So the moment in time is one of those literally in two, three words, you can completely change the way that a reader feels about the thing that they're reading. Yeah. The, the very first time Cole showed me this tip, I was writing a Twitter thread with that David Ogilvy hook. And he said, this is a perfect hook. Just add the words in 1982 to the beginning. And for some reason, when you give the in 1982 or last weekend, it takes the reader on a journey where they want to go grab a cup of coffee, cuddle up by the fire. It's like, oh, you're telling me a story now. Great. Mm -hmm. I'm here for it versus just throwing words on the page. So the moment in time you can actually combine with a lot of these other ones to just add a little wrinkle that takes the readers from wherever they are to transform into your story, whatever you have to say. Mm -hmm. and, and a date or a, or a place. Right, I love this one. My fear of cafeteria trays began in eighth grade. One sentence, you don't know anything else, but you feel like you're in the cafeteria, right? And so why is that? It's because of that. It's that moment in time, right? That's very different than if someone said, I, I used to be afraid of cafeteria trays, right? You're like, okay, cool. But when you tell the, tell the reader, no, in eighth grade or the week before my graduation, Mm. You know, you, you really place the reader in the moment, all of a sudden two or three words makes the reader go, Whoa, like I'm so much more invested in this because we, I don't know exactly why, but it, it's really because we have something to latch onto when we think about what were we doing in eighth grade or 1982 or on that day, right? You, you start to connect with the, with the writer in a different way. And it's just takes two words. Yeah. This is one of my favorite techniques. I use it all the time. So I encourage everyone to play with it because like once you see it in action, it's very fun. Okay, then the next is a vulnerable statement or some sort of personal story. So the thing is, this is kind of similar to the controversial opinion. Uh, whenever I introduce this one to people, the biggest question I get back is like, you know, well, how personal am I supposed to get? you know, almost as if you have to go air your dirty laundry or something. And that's really not what this is. The, the vulnerable statement opener can be any range of things, you know, even this. So this first example, by the time I closed the doors of my first company, I'd lost more than 10 million of investor money. Right. I mean, yeah, like, okay, you might be embarrassed about that, but that's, we're not revealing anything like super deeply, you know, embarrassing or personal about you as a human. You know, it's just like, Hey, here's the situation, right? I'm being honest with you. Right. Or even more high level. I've never been a very social person, right? It's not like you're 
unearthing family trauma, right? You're just like, Hey, I'm going to be honest with you. Like I'm, I'm not that social or I'm an introvert. Right. So it's on you to decide, you know, it's like a dial, like how much do you want to turn it up or turn it down? But the thing that you're going for is you want the reader to feel like you've just sat down, you know, you're, you're both at a coffee shop together. You both got your coffee, you're sitting there and the reader's like, tell me about yourself. Right. And that first sentence is you just kind of being like, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. Right. And that honesty is what draws the reader in. So again, notice how all of these are just a single sentence. It's, we don't, we don't need an entire paragraph or we don't need an entire page to go. This is, this is how I'm going to hook your attention. One sentence, right? Moment in time, vulnerable statement, controversial opinion, declarative sentence, you know? Right. Just like we said at the beginning of great writing is assembled. Think of this as your toolkit where, okay, I have to write a first sentence. Which one of these am I going to use? Am I going to combine a few of them? Right. You never want to be in a stage of like creating. It's more you're you're drawing from a toolbox. Which of these am I going to use? How do I want to say this? Right. And what you're going to find is you're actually you're going to build up single sentences that you can use time and time again. We said it last time, Cole, yours is when I was 17 years old. I was one of the best World of Warcraft players in North America. Right. Once you have that piece of credibility or that personal story, you can go a million different ways. I wrote four just in this cohort of the 10 things or whatever day we're on, 12. I wrote four or five with six weeks ago, I quit my full-time job as the Mm -hmm. opener. And I've talked about 10 different, six different things with that exact first sentence opener. Because what it does is it goes, whoa, I bet whatever it is you have to say comes right after that. Right. So something to you don't think that once you use a first sentence, once you can't use it again, once you find one that works, use it time and time and time again. Yeah, that's and Dickie noticed that sentence that you use right moment in time Mm -hmm. six weeks ago. Right. It it, it loses its potency if if Dickie was to just say, I recently left my job. Right. You're like, okay. You know, but it gets the stakes are heightened when he's like six weeks ago today, mm-hmm. I quit my job. All of a sudden you're like, this is a big deal. Right. So it's really important to take these little techniques and try them out and see how you can piece them together. And then this one, uh, this is the last one is a personal favorite of mine. I, I notice people don't use this enough, but it's a really great one where you open with some sort of weird, unique insight. So very easy way to grab the reader's attention. You know, okay. Did you know that 85% of the world's oxygen comes from phytoplankton? Like imagine a YouTube video opening with that. Right. And you're like, I am not normally interested in marine life, but please tell me more. Right. You're hooked. You're like, that's really weird, but okay. I'm interested. Or California is not the largest state in the U S Alaska is. You're like, Whoa, I didn't know that. All right. Tell me some more stuff. I didn't know. You know, and so if you notice documentaries use this all the time, um, like if anyone saw the documentary, uh, Seaspiracy that came out like six, nine months ago, right? That whole, that whole documentary was nothing but like weird, unique insights over and over again, you know? And so that's what you're really going for. You're going for how do I stop the reader's inner monologue, just going and going and going and going, Hey, uh, I bet you didn't know this, 
right? And then they stop and they go, oh, that's interesting. All right, tell me a little bit more. I mean, your World of Warcraft one is kind of a weird, unique insight in some way, right? Yeah, it's that's, like a personal yeah, a story bit. and a unique insight. Not very many people were a highly mm-hmm. ranked World of Warcraft player. That's true. It's like a weird, unique insight moment in time and vulnerable statement almost kind of all wrapped up into mm-hmm. one. Yeah. So another thing to keep in mind with these is you can mix and match. I know we, we present them linearly, but it's a, you're constructing a first sentence using one of these kind of from your grab bag. Yep. So drop in the chat real quick. Let's see which one of these openers are you going to experiment with this week? They're all very different. Uh, you can use them in different combinations, but is there one that you're gravitating to, you know, I encourage you to make it conscious. And the next thing that you write, ask yourself, okay, how do I do this deliberately? See a lot of moment in times. That's great. Opinions, weird, unique insight, thought provoking question. Yeah. So when you sit down to write, don't just go, I got to write a sentence, right? Ask yourself, which one of these openers am I going to use? And how do I execute on that opener? If it's moment in time, how do I really tell the reader it was this time and this date, and this is, this is the moment, right? Or if it's a declarative sentence, how can you whittle it down to planting my flag in the ground? This is what I believe, right? Yeah, everyone's going to kind of have their different ones, but think of it as how can I start to find mine? How can I find my grab bag? And what's fun is when you find an opening sentence that works, you can almost take that and plug it into the endless idea generator of how many different mistakes, lessons, tips, frameworks, quotes, tools, everything can I generate from just that sentence, right? So with mine, six weeks ago, I quit my full-time job. I could go a hundred different directions, right? Three things I've learned about X, Y, and Z, right? Three mistakes I made in that first week, right? That becomes a basis for a lot of your um, potential writing. So you can use it in reverse just like that. Yep. Okay. So now let's keep cruising. We got a couple more things to get through. So turning main points into subheads. All right. So this is the biggest upgrade that you can make to your writing. Okay. Again, readers don't read. When a reader clicks on your piece, They are not starting with the first word and then going to the second word and then going to the third word. So even when this screenshot popped up, where did your eyes go? I guarantee your eyes did not go to the first three, four, five paragraphs in here. Your eyes went to the title and then they went to the first point. Online cohorts provide fantastic instruction. Then they went to the second point. You will never meet as many great people in such a small space. And then they went to the third point. And then you had to make a decision. You said, where do I want to start reading? All right. Is one of these sections speaking to me or have I decided, you know what, this is worth my time. I'm going to start back from the beginning and then I'm going to read. Right. But you do not start reading linearly. And this is the biggest change that is this. This is what's going to separate legacy writers from digital writers is that the reason legacy writers struggle to write on the internet so much is they walk in expecting, well, Hey, if I write this big, long piece, Every reader is going to give me their undivided attention from the first word to the last word. And digital writers do the opposite. They know that that's not true, right? So when I sit down to write, what I'm asking myself is, how do I get your attention in the first sentence? And then how do I help you understand, here are all the sections we're going to fly through. And the easiest way to do that is to separate your ideas with subheads. Subheads are the big bolded sentences that go, here's what we're talking about here. Here's what we're talking about next. Here's what we're talking about last, 
right? So again, if you think of the container for your writing, you make a promise in the headline, you give credibility slash opener in the intro, and then you go main point one, main point two, main point three. And then that makes it very easy for the reader to go, let me just skim and find the section that I'm looking for. Right. And it all goes back to the very first point we made during the legacy writer versus digital writer. If you are writing from a place of ego, you think, I don't need to use subheads. If I write it, they're going to read it, right? Versus, hey, why don't I make this as easy as possible for the reader to know whether or not this is for them? So I bold the subheads. I have a clear headline. I have a very easy first sentence, right? You're treating your writing like a product and designing a pleasant user experience versus think of that person you used to work with who would write you an email with a subject line that said some thoughts and they would open up with a massive paragraph of text. And you're like, you, I just got to read this. You're just going to drop it on my desk and I got to read this entire thing. I have no clue what's going to be in it. I got to take mm -hmm. my time now to, to work through your unclear thinking. That's basically what most writers do. And so instead, we're thinking, how can I write with the reader in mind and make it as easy as possible for them to understand it? Yep. That's, that, that is the big idea here is you, it's not that you took the time to write something and now everyone owes you their attention. You're in the business of making things as easy as possible for the reader, right? So I saw this question in the chat, uh, Jess, how do you do this for a story? Okay. So there's two different ways of executing this. So on the left, notice that your, your subheads, if you're writing a story, your subheads are the pivotal moments. They're the pivotal sentences. So whenever I'm writing something, if I'm, if I'm kind of writing out a story, and I do this all the time in uh, Category Pirates, for example, I'm writing a business story, okay? And I don't need to jump to a new section, but I also want to give the reader a break right? I, I, I'm not ready to go to the next big idea. I'm in the middle of telling a story, but I want to keep their attention. I make the subhead a pivotal sentence, right? So here in this story, the pivotal sentence was, then I was pushing Ashley in a stroller late at night to pawn my wedding ring while she chugged her last bottle of milk. Whoa, right? Big moment, okay? So let's not bury that in the text. Let's pull that out. Let's make that a subhead. And then the reader goes, this is important. Thanks for giving me a mental break. This is important. You're calling it out. I can pause. Awesome. And then they continue reading. And so if you notice, if we just read the pivotal sentences of this story, we understand the story, right? So we have that one. And then the next big pivotal sentence, the pawn shop was closed. Conflict. Whoa. And then we have the last one. I'm lucky things never got that bad again. We don't even have to read the piece. We basically understand what happens, right? And that's your goal. Your goal is for your subheads to kind of be this, like, if all I wanted to do was just skim the subheads, I would understand what you were saying. And most writers, when we explain that, go, no, 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 no. I, I want the reader to be there the whole way but you're making the expectation that they're going to get through all the spinach chips before they get to the good Pringles. So give them the Pringles and then let them decide if how many of them they want to eat. Right. That's the reframe. Yep. All right. Let's keep it rolling. Okay. So, or they can be the pivotal senses or they can be the section names. So notice here on the right, 
you know, belonging, connect to make an impact, fear, failure, and faith, and change. So you're basically naming each section and you're going idea one, idea two, idea three, idea four. Okay. So we're going to ask everyone to take the pledge real quick. All right. If you're, if you, if you're wearing a hat, maybe take the hat off, you know, take the pledge. I promise to use subheads to make my writing more skimmable. Please take the pledge, type it in the chat. I promise, I promise this is the easiest and most 10x upgrade you can make to your writing. I promise to use subheads to make my writing more skimmable. I promise as well. Cool. All, All right, right, let's keep rocking. Okay, this is the last big idea that we want to share here is the 131. Okay, so 131 is a way of injecting rhythm into your writing. And what 131 is, is it means you're starting with one sentence and you're ending with one sentence. And then the bulk of your, your idea, your point is happening between them. So your one and one are your bookends. And then your three in the middle is the description. Okay, so let's look at this slide. One sentence, the way you hook the reader is with one opening sentence. Next, three sentences. Then once the reader has been hooked, you explain what you mean in more detail. You tell them a quick story and you give them a description they can hold on to. The three is expanding on the one. And then we give the reader a little mental break. We close with one, just like this slide. And then we repeat that. And what you can do is you can use 131 all the way down a page and the reader has no idea what's happening. And all they're doing is sitting there going, wow, your writing feels so rhythmic. One, three, one, one, three, one, right? There's this, there's this pattern. It's like a wave and it pulls the reader's attention down the page because you're giving them these little breaks in the ones, right? You're not, imagine the difference where if you open up a page and it's seven, 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 you're like, I'm done, right? You hate it. Okay. So what you can do is you can use this technique over and over and over again. You start with one, you go into three, you end with one. You start with one, you go into three, you end with one. And anytime that you're changing, you know, you have a pivotal uh, moment in your story or you have a new section, you bold it, you know? Okay. So you could bold the first sentence in one, three, one, you could do one, three, one, and then do a bolding. But the point is what you're doing is you're alternating between short and long, short and long. That's what's happening. We're giving away all, all our secrets here because now when anyone reads our emails or our atomic essays, you're going to realize that we use one, three, one for everything, but it's a great container, right? When you're opening a piece, think one, three, one, how am I going to boom credibility, boom, expand on that. Boom. What am I talking about next? right? Again, the great writing is assembled and you have these frameworks of, okay, I'm going to drop a one, three, one right in. I think we have some of these in TypeShare now where yeah, you can drop in content blocks just like this. And one, three, one could be one line, three bullets, one line, mm -hmm. right? You're just creating flow and rhythm with your writing versus those blocky Atlantic style, long blocks of text that you just can't keep reading. Yeah. And so the rule of thumb here is all you want is you want to alternate short with long. If you are expanding on a point and you have five sentences in a paragraph, you have a big paragraph, the first thing that your brain should, should say to you is, I now need a single sentence to give the reader a break, right? But if you look at your writing and it's like big paragraph, big paragraph, big paragraph, there's an opportunity there to pull out 
a sentence on each side and make it one and then three and then one, one, three, right? And so then the, the next step is, all right, so say one, three, one isn't enough space for you. You go, okay, I get the opener and I get the closer, but I want to expand what I'm saying. You expand the middle. So it becomes one, four, one, or it becomes one, five, one, or it becomes one, six, one, right? Because what you want is you want the reader to go, here's the first chip, easy snack. Okay, I'm hooked. Now I'm going to eat half the box. Okay, and here's one more chip. I promised myself just one more. Oh, but wait, here's one more chip, right? Oh, okay, I'm going to eat another big chunk of the box. Okay, fine, just one more, right? And that's what you're, that's what you're doing. So whatever it is that you're writing, it doesn't, it's not like, okay, where do I put the credibility? Where do I put this idea? All we're saying is you want to fit it inside things that are alternating between short and long. That's it. That's how you create rhythm in your writing. All right. So drop in the chat. Like we said, this is the most tactical live session we have. You enter it and then you leave it with a whole new toolbox of things to do. So which one of these do you find most helpful? And this is my, we say this before the headline session, but honestly, I think the biggest upgrade to the whole cohort happens between this session and the next one right? It's big blocky atomic essays that are hard to read. If you want some examples of these formatting frameworks, I've been writing atomic essays throughout this cohort. You can go see how I've been formatting. It's an easy way to kind of see, you'll, you'll see some good ones when you look at the templates as well. But 131, six proven openers, main point subheads, use these as your new, new toolkit to assemble your writing, right? The same words can be used but assembled in a different way. And it's a completely different piece. Mm -hmm. That I think is the most important thing to realize is you could have the best words and the best story, but if you don't present it in a way that's easy for the reader to latch on, eat that first chip and then stumble all the way through the bag, all the way to the bottom, they're never going to start. Right. So keep these in mind as you're going about your writing. It's a really easy upgrade you can make. Yep. Seeing a lot of one through one. So that that's always, that's always fun to see. And also you're going to notice this, like the next time a coworker sends you an email, you're going to be like, yo, first of all, clever subject title. Come on, be clear. What's this email about? <laughs> right. And then you're going to be like, why did you open with a seven sentence paragraph? Break it up. Give me some one, three, one. Right. And okay. This email is like 800 words long. Where are your subheads? How am I supposed to figure out which section I navigate to? Right. So you're going to notice these things everywhere. It's not just uh, atomic essays and internet writing. You're going to see it in emails. You're going to see it in landing pages. You're going to see it all over the place. Yeah. If you, when I was working full time, I had a couple internal newsletters and would utilize these tactics. And they stood out so clearly from other emails that people would get that the response would be I don't know why, but I loved reading this. Like weird little things like that because it wasn't a stupid subject line that didn't make any sense. And then a giant block of text. It was, I would use, you know, three quick ideas on X, Y, Z. So we can ABC. Right. And then I would use one, three, one down the page. It was fun. Like in, you can stand out in a company and we should explore this a little call of writing clear emails and Slack messages using these frameworks of getting attention. It's all the same thing. Anytime you're writing words on a screen, this is, these frameworks work. So you might think, okay, yes, I can, I can apply this to atomic essays, but 
Start doing it with your Slack messages. Start doing it with your emails. Start doing it with your text messages. It's all just capturing and keeping attention. And that's kind of what we're teaching. 